Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's the moment of the evening Every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey Crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together And make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters The handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another episode. Great Saturday to be a Wildcat, a bad Saturday to be a Golden Knight. Two absolutely massive blowout dominant wins over the Big 12 newcomers from Central Florida, both by the men's and women's basketball team. And look, it it truly was a great Saturday to be a Wildcat. Um, it was an entertaining week. We're going to talk about uh, K-State men's basketball. We're going to really dive in uh, on my thoughts coming out of that UCF game. Kind of looking forward to that West Virginia game happening on Tuesday. Um, we're going to hit K-State football. Uh, some football, or you know, got some hires coming in. Might touch on a little, a little bit of transfer portal, depending on where time is, and then we're going to end talking about the K-State women. Again, ranked number 10, dominant win over UCF, and a massive, massive, massive week coming up. Wednesday playing Oklahoma, 6 p.m. at home. Uh, Oklahoma is part of the four-way tie for first, and then Saturday, 1 p.m. in Bramlage uh, versus Texas. They're ranked number 10. They dropped a game earlier to Baylor, so it's going to be a top 15 matchup, maybe a top 10 matchup. Um Absolutely massive. I'm going to try to be at that game on Saturday. Um, So we'll go through all of that. Um, It's going to be a fun one, folks. It's going to be a fun one. I'm excited. Um, Much different tone. Much different different emotions tied up uh, with how that game went with UCF versus how I was feeling after that Chicago State game. Um, so it's going to be a fun one. Before we do, let's get into it. Let's talk about Manhattan Brewing Company real quick. Look, uh, I know some of you guys are doing the whole dry January thing. Well, guess what? Manhattan Brewing Company still has you taken care of. They have non-alcoholic cocktails, non-alcoholic beverages. Again, 
If you want to enjoy some time in the spot with the best vibes down in Manhattan on Points Avenue, no matter what you are or aren't drinking, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, we talked about the non-alcoholic uh, options. We've talked about their c- cocktails on tap with Bullet Bourbon, my favorite spirit in the world. But also all sorts of different taps with their home brewed right there on the spot. There in points for Manhattan by Manhattan, Manhattan Brewing Company, the best brewing company, the best brewery, the best beer in the state of Kansas. Um, I can't wait to get back in there. Um Tang Party, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of it out in Johnson County. So, again, make sure to talk to your local liquor store, no matter where you are in the state of Kansas. Tell them you want to buy beer from them, uh, but you want it to be Manhattan Brewing Company. They distribute through Central Standard, so uh, anyone in the state can get it. So just just talk to them. Be nice. Just talk to them. All right, K-State 77-52 over UCF. Um Good crowd, good crowd. Um, it's always going to be a little weird uh, without the students, um, but but I thought it was a, it was a good crowd. That was the last home game without the students. I think uh, Baylor um, will be the first game back with students. Uh, that'll be their first day of the semester. Um, so that's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to that. Um, that was a good crowd. Uh, just under ten thousand announced. Um, I think that's the true attendance. I was looking around. I was even telling someone. I was like, it looks like there's uh, 9,900 is what I said. And I think they announced 9,698. So it was a good crowd. Uh, good crowd pops whenever big moments happened. Uh, it, it was good. It was it was a good environment inside Bramlage Coliseum. And, and it's always a great time inside Bramlage. Um, it, it was Jerome Tang's biggest win over a Big 12 team. I also think this might be the worst Big 12 team that we played in a while. Again, I was nervous coming into it. Um, you know, I, I was pretty down. I was disappointed. I, I was not feeling great about where uh, the men's basketball team was. But uh, look, they, they took care of business. And I'm not going to discount this game. Um, just saying UCF sucks. Nothing, n- nothing else to really talk about. Uh, mainly because we've seen K-State go to the wire. We've seen K-State losing uh, by seven in the second half. We've seen K-State going to overtime with much worse teams. So it's encouraging because, what, this is the first time since November that we had a blowout win, right? Is that right? I mean, it, I mean it's been a while. What I mean, I guess LSU was in December. LSU was in December. Uh so that was a blowout win. But, I mean, look, <laughs> you went through January and even the back end of uh, November playing uh, some really tight games. But, yeah, like Arkansas, you know, that was a 40 Central Arkansas 44-point win. LSU a 15-point win. We haven't had many blowouts. We haven't had many blowouts. So doing that versus a Big 12 team and being able, even if it isn't, Hey, we're a better team than what we've shown. Because um, I think you kind of are what you are. We're going to see how things go here in the next couple weeks. But just the psychology, not only for the team, but for the fans, uh, for the coaches, for everyone surrounding this team, being able to say, hey, we're in Big 12 play. We are 1 0. We are tied with seven other teams at the top of the 12 having a laugh. Um, 
and you can say that you did it in dominating fashion. There's psychology around it. There's uh, emotions around it. There's momentum around it. So that's absolutely massive, uh, no matter what the quality of UCF is. And even though UCF, this is the second part of it, UCF's probably going to go 0-5 to start league play. I think that is the most likely record they will have um, at the end of five games. But we saw them go down to the wire with Ole Miss, who was undefeated at the time. Um, They had a close game to start SEC play. Uh, They dropped it, so they might drop out of the top 25. But they were a top 25 team. UCF took them down to the buzzer uh, at home. So this is a UCF team that, hey, on their night, if they can really kind of play that iso ball that they want to, they're capable of taking tournament teams down to the wire. So, again, um, it was a home game. It was a decent crowd. And, again, UCF not not used to playing uh, in front of uh, any crowds, really, uh, in the American. I mean, what? Like, what was... Was Wichita State, bad Wichita State crowds, probably the best they've ever played in front of when it comes to hostile environment? Um, so it, it it's encouraging. I, I'm choosing to be encouraged, and I think everyone should. It was a fun game. It was an entertaining game. Um, I mean, no reason not to buy in. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, it, it's no fun being miserable. I wasn't fun talking about that Chicago State game. I mean, that's not fun. So I'm I'm going to swing the pendulum. I'm going to ride the waves. Eventually, I'll mellow out. Eventually, I'll find that middle space. But, hey, I'm going to ride this high as long as we can. Final macro thing before we talk about the individual players, some of the takeaways. How fun is offensive rebounding? I mean, I, I, I think it is good, and we should keep doing it. Um, had 13 total in the game. Uh, five coming from David Gasson, four coming from Arthur Kaluma. Good work, guys. Keep it going. Again, I, I think that this team is going to have to evolve a little bit from what um, we thought we were going to. In this move to the five out, um, a lot of that was going to be dependent on Naquan Tomlin. And again, some of what they were... Um, Getting ready to do a lot of it was centered around Quez Glover. So I think adapting and trying to get out and run, trying to attack the rim, and trying to go for those offensive rebounds, doing a little bit of high low with McNair and David Gasson, and then going after offensive boards. I think that is going to be a necessary change in what we thought we were going to have to do on offense to be successful. Uh, and I was very pleased to see some of those small changes uh, on Saturday versus UCF. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, even more than the uh, offensive rebounding, which I which I absolutely love to see, um, I think the biggest plus side uh, from that game, from the UCF game, especially when you're trying to uh, start forward casting, start uh, trying to find ways where this team can get hot, make the tournament, make some noise in the Big 12, is Tyler Perry. Um, I've been on this show. I've been harping on it. I, I've been saying he's 
you know, it, his, something's broken, something's wrong. And the reason why I was saying that, the reason why I was talking about Tyler Perry and something being wrong, something being broken, is he's proven he's one of the best shooters in America. I know some K-State fans were getting their jokes off, trying trying to, you know, you know, go after Tang for saying that, but go back and look what he was able to do at North Texas. He was a 42%, 41-42% career three-point shooter in Division One. This is a guy who last year only had like six games where he shot under 33%. There's a reason why I kept going back to that and saying, man, he already has more games under that number than he had all of last season. It wasn't because... Uh, he's a bad shooter. It's not because he's a bad player. There is a reason why Tyler Perry was ranked as one of the best shooters in the transfer portal la- uh, last summer. There's a reason why he was highly coveted. There's a reason why Jerome Tang went out and got these guys. He has that clutch gene in him. He has that ability to drain it from anywhere on on the court and he's a very good shooter he is one of the best in the nation he is capable of being a first team all big 12 type of guy and again this is why i i I was using the phrasing i wasn't saying he's not a good shooter i wasn't saying k-state got fleeced in the portal i wasn't saying it was a bad pickup I continue to say something's wrong, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not there, uh, you know, at practice. I, I go to a lot of the games and I see anything I'm not at on TV. Uh, but he, he was lacking confidence. And, and what we saw from Tyler Perry is a confident guy. We saw someone who was bought in. We saw someone who had the emotion, the effort. He was diving all over the floor. He grabbed a couple steals. He uh, he kept his assist numbers up. I think he had five assists. He had 25 points, 6 of 11 from 3, 7 of 13 from the field, um, five assists, three steals, uh, only tur- two turnovers. So he kept his assist numbers up. He was grabbing steals. He was diving all over the floor, playing great defense. Again, this is the type of stuff that endears you to a fan base and endears you to the locker room. Again, I'm thinking that effort in that game, what you saw from Tyler Perry is going to be the spark that lights the powder keg. I think that if this team all of a sudden uh, goes... 10 and 8 or you know even 9 and 9 but let's say they go 10 and 8 or even 11 and 7 let's say they they just get hot let's say they have a great big 12 season and all of a sudden fight their way to be a 5 or 6 seed you know they they do something that i i think is beyond their ceiling but hey i've been wrong all the time i think that when you talk to Jerome Tang, you talk to this team in Kansas City at the Big 12 tournament or before the NCAA tournament, I think there's a very real chance they point back to this UCF game and say, hey, go back and watch that tape. Look at what Tyler Perry was doing. Look at the effort. Look at him putting his body on the floor. Look at him putting his body on the line. And that is what stirred things on. Seeing that and then... You know, who knows? Versus West Virginia, you might see Arthur Kaluma take two charges and, and get it on the floor. And, and Arthur Kaluma is a very physical player. I, I, you know, I, I just, I think 
that what we saw from Tyler Perry is uh, the first domino of what we needed to see. Or I'm not going to say we, because everyone is different. Um, what I needed to see. That game versus UCF was the first domino that I needed to see to kind of get a little bit of a pep in my step, to get me, you know, feeling a little bit of swagger as a as a fan myself. And again, they don't need that from me, but everything works better for all pulling the same direction. So now Tyler Perry does that. He showed that, hey, yeah, I, I still am that guy. Um, you got to think that maybe he can keep things going. Now, when you look at the prolonged cold streak, um, I'm hoping, this is my hope, that, hey, he's going to have a couple nights, a couple more nights where he's up above 50%. I'm hoping the law of averages kind of uh, make up for that, for that slow run um, that he had over the last seven, eight games. And I'm hoping he has that. And then all of a sudden he can settle into being that 42% shooter uh, from three every single night. Uh, and also perfect from the free throw line. I believe it was three of three or five five. I don't know. That's something that K State does well getting to the free throw line. Um, Got to give K State a lot of credit making that a priority. Again, uh, when you thought that you're going to have a different set of personnel um, than you have, being aggressive and getting to the free throw line is big time. Um, so again, that 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 effort, that game from Tyler Perry, and beyond just the scoring. The diving on the floor, the playing good defense, the you know telling keep guys to keep their head up. I, I think something has clicked inside Tyler Perry's head, and, and I hope it continues. Maybe it's as simple as the calendar, you know, flipping to conference play, and, and he turns it on. Um, but that was the type of performance we all knew he could do, and the, the type of performance we were all hoping for. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about Cam Carter. Um, because in that game from Cam Carter, we saw just about everything he is capable of. He distributed the ball and, and had six assists. He had four defensive rebounds where he had to battle for a couple of those. He had 12 points, uh, only going two of six from three, five of 12 from the field. Didn't get to line. Um, he probably wants a couple of those back. Um, but he also had three blocks. I mean, it is it is unreal the range of game that Cam Carter showed. And now, when when you have Tyler Perry uh, having the type of game, he he's hot from the field again. Cam Carter's going to step back. He's going to distribute. He's going to find a way to get Tyler into position uh, to to score the ball to shoot the three. That that is, I think, what Cam Carter um, has developed into the best. And and folks who listen religiously and listen closely, they know I was tough on Cam Carter last year at times. I think uh, folks know I, I was a little you know, down on him coming into the season thinking, all right, you know, Jerome Tang's talking about how he needs to be a scorer and all this type of stuff, and I kind of rolled my eyes. I mean, I'll be, I'll be quite frank. Um, I, I did not have much confidence in the young man um, after last season, and he's proven me wrong. Um Cam Carter in different games has proven he can go for 20. He's proven he can throw the alley-oop. He can throw down the alley-oop. He can be a lockdown defender. He can get three blocks running stuff down. Cam Carter is a super athlete. He has a good drive. And, again, he's one of those guys where I haven't ever had to worry about the effort, have to worry about the emotion. Now, 
I think the fans and the players can feed off of him a little bit more. Um, but I don't think that's who he is. I don't. I don't think he's an outwardly emotional guy. But you know, he he was giving you know a standing ovation to Tyler Perry while he was still on the floor as he subbed out of the game. Um, I think he has to be the beacon. He has to be the lighthouse uh, for this team because he's the only guard who's gone through the twelve. Um, this is Cam Carter's second time going through the conference. And again, while the schedule makers smiled on us a little bit for the first two games. Um, it still is the Big 12, folks. I mean, this is still a team that probably has 10 or 11 NCAA tournament quality teams uh, in the conference, if not more. I mean, there's probably 12 teams who are thinking they, well, probably not 12. There's probably 11 teams who are realistically thinking, hey, we have a shot at making the NCAA tournament. Um, and Cam Carter's the only one who, in the guard room, it's him and David Gasson, the only two guys who have played through that gauntlet. So I, I, I think this was a great sign from Cam. And again, um, that stat line, you know, 12 points. Again, people are like, eh, whatever. But when you add in the six assists, you add in the four rebounds, you add in the three blocks. I mean, I wonder how many 12, four, six, and three games have happened in, in K State basketball history. You know, I mean, uh, if there was a game that you know maybe Michael Beasley had six assists and a handful of blocks again, that's not that's not a stat line, a balanced stat, stat line that you see very often. Uh, and, and what Cam Carter brought to the game yesterday was stability, was emotion, uh, which those two things, positive emotion, stability and positive emotion, being able to keep things moving in the right direction, and, and being a guy who will get a stop if UCF tried to go on a mini run, who can go get a bucket at the rim or at the three. Again, I, I thought it was another great game from Cam Carter, who is turning into that guy that we all uh, hoped he would. If folks remember, if you, if you go back to the summer of, gosh, I would have been summer of 2022, right? Time flies when you're having fun. Cam Carter was the guy, the transfer pickup that everyone was super high on. You know, it wasn't Desi Sills. You know, it, it wasn't any... One else. It was Cam Carter. Cam Carter was the guy until Keontae Johnson came, um, but he was the transfer everyone was pumped about. And he had that rough season last year, and at times folks wanted him to play less. I, me among them. Um, and, and he is realizing that potential. And then you got to think, okay, back next year, what could Cam Carter look like at the end of this season? And then what could he look like next year? Folks, the sky's the limit for Cam Carter. Um, and I'm so glad he's a Wildcat. I'm so glad he's a Wildcat. Um, we'll, we'll go to Arthur Kaluma. He was the second leading scorer uh, with 14, going one of three from three and only three of nine from the field, doing half of his work from the free throw line. But this is what I enjoyed from Arthur Kaluma. This is what I liked from him. I think this might have been the most aggressive we've seen him play, except for maybe Villanova. Um, I think Arthur Kaluma at times can be a passenger when he has the uh, skill, he has the ability uh, to be, you know, the driver. And, and not just talking about driving to the bucket, but being the guy who moves the team forward. Um, his ability with the ball in his hand, um, his understanding of angles, his understanding of, like, geometry. Like, again, when, when you see 
him attack the bucket, the the way he gets there, the way he's able to spin it up off the backboard, the way he's able to use his leverage. And last night was the perfect, and last night as I'm recording this, two nights ago as you guys are listening, was the perfect example uh, because he got to he got to the uh, free throw line nine times, going seven of nine from the field. Um, in Big Twelve play, if he keeps this level of aggression, he's either going to get a ton of buckets at the rim, or he's going to be living at the free throw line. Again, there, there there's a level level of athleticism and knowledge of the game that he distri- displayed on Saturday that UCF just just had no answer for. When you mix his IQ and his athleticism, uh, UCF couldn't do anything but foul him as he's trying to get in position to score. So while folks probably, and again, at first glance, you know, during the game, I'm kind of looking up there. I'm like, oh, man, not really shooting well from the field. I go back and see some of those highlights. I watch back part of the game and see him when he's getting to the free throw line and what he's able to do to get there. Um, I think that is an underappreciated part of today's game. Again, uh, modern basketball, and this is probably why, um, probably why there, there's a a little bit more of a ceiling on this team um, than we'd like. Because I, I I think I mean Kaluma can shoot the ball, Cam Carter can at times, but it is such a three point game, a three point you know shooting dominant era in college basketball. I think folks can lose sight of guys like Arthur Kaluma who have the ability to get to the rim, draw the foul, make a three-point play, or just get to the free-throw line and put two of them down. Um, I, I, I truly do think that, um, I'm not going to go as far as saying sky's the limit for Arthur Kaluma, but I mean, he won a National Player of the Week award. He's already won a Big 12 Player of the Week award. I, I don't think that's going to be the last one, um, because this guy's skill set uh, has lived up to the billing. Uh, I know there are some folks from Creighton who are kind of like, yeah, Arthur. I mean, whatever. They can do whatever they want. And again, it is a new rule for, role for him. Um, and, and, and part of turning the page to Big 12 play, he knows exactly what we do. And and I, I, I believe that it's easy to dismiss the idea of, okay, we, we've turned the page to Big 12 play and things are going to get different. And part of me was there too, folks. I... I know this is a bit of a rambling episode, uh, but but I I understand the idea of well I mean it's it's just you know turning the calendar it's just playing teams like yeah you know some of these are going to be better teams but we saw what they did playing versus the best teams in the non-con it didn't necessarily go well a lot of the time hey we saw them struggle with some really bad teams how are they going to handle UCF who isn't in the three hundreds in Kempom they're way better than Chicago State what's going to happen. I do think that there is something about playing in the Big 12 that you are able to flip a switch. Um, if this team starts off going like 4-0, 5-0, and 6-1 or something crazy like that, if we're sitting here at the end of January, kind of daydreaming, kind of looking at the schedule like, well, I mean, you know, if this happens, this happens, we could be in the Big 12 race. If, if we're doing this, I, I do think we, we have to lend some credence to what Jerome Tank says and says, hey, these guys come to K-State to play in the Big 12, the greatest big basketball conference in the country. And once it's time, once the lights are the brightest and once it's go time for the conference, um, it's going to be another level. Again, I, I'm trying like trying not to get too carried away. 
but I already said I'm going to ride the highs and, and wallow in the lows a little bit with basketball. I do that way more than football because, hey, you get a lot more games. Um, but it's hard not to come away just super encouraged versus that game versus UCF, and Arthur Kaluma was a big part of that. Um, we'll go to Will McNair uh, next, and again, a very solid night. I, I think the game versus UCF was really a best-case scenario where he has um, post moves. Will McNair is good down low. He's good with his back to the bucket. He's able to get into the lane, hit a hook shot. He's able to clean up some misses and get some putbacks right there at the rim. Uh, and, and score 11 points and grab six rebounds. He did have three turnovers and honestly probably could have been credited to one or two more um, where he just kind of had the classic big guy, can't can't get his hands on the ball with an entry pass. Um, but but I think it was a solid game. He's another guy who um, we, we, we brought in late. I was like, I don't know what he's going to give us, but hey, we had an open spot and a knee that big. So here we go and He's, I mean, he's shown over non-conference play and again now in Big 12 play that he can be a guy who can get you 10 points. And we're going to talk about the lack of production from the bench here in a second. But when you're going, when you're going to get next to nothing from your bench, you're going to need, you know, four guys, three or four guys every single time in double figures, uh, scoring every single game to give you a chance. And Will McNair is capable of that. Is he going to average 10 points a game in Big 12 play? No, not a chance. But can he, you know, average eight and a half, nine? Can he, you know, can a bad game be seven points and five rebounds from him? Um, maybe. And, and I was pleased with his game as well. Again, if he gets the opportunity to go at a guy with bad post defense, um, he can have a double-digit scoring night. And in modern college basketball, and I'll be 100% honest with you, I, I'm – I've not deep-dived everyone in Big 12, um, so maybe there's more of them than I know. But I, I would imagine there's not a ton of true post guys um, that are going to be able to um, really shut him down. Uh, again, we know K-State had trouble with a few of those true post guys last year, and I think that's why it was important to get Will McNair in this season. Uh, last for the starters, David Gasson. So, you might be thinking to yourself, Scott, he had five points. He was only one of six from the field, uh, but he did have an encouraging three of four from the free throw line. Like, what what, what can you really say about David Gasson? If you just watch the game, you're, you're kind of doing other things. You're, you're looking at your phone um, and, and not completely dialed in. I, I would forgive that. But anyone who was dialed in, anyone who was in the arena, they would have seen he was an absolute menace to society on the boards, man. He had 14 rebounds, 9 defensive rebounds, 5 offensive rebounds. And this is what K-State needs to raise their ceiling and their floor. We, 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 we saw last year in March uh, with that game versus Florida Atlantic, quite frankly, almost the game versus Kentucky, where rebounding... Um, Ended our season, almost ended the season in, in the case of Kentucky, but with Florida Atlantic, it ended our season. Um, and we saw what happened versus Nebraska. Again, one of the lowest points in my K-State basketball you know, fandom was that game. I know folks are telling me to get over it, and I eventually will. Shout out to Michael. Um, he, he definitely put me in my place uh, after I recorded that episode. 
Uh, but I'm still down. Whatever. I'm a stupid fan. I can have my emotions. But what David Gasson has been able to do since that Nebraska game has has been incredibly encouraging. First off, he, he he's been our our best rebounder since that game, um, and he's averaging you know what. 10.5 rebounds a game since the Nebraska game. So in the last three games, he's averaging 10 points, 10 and a half rebounds, and two blocks a game. That is an incredible run by David Gasson. And again, when we talk about, and I'm going to get there here in a bit, talking about the depth, talking about the lack of production um, from the bench, um, you, you have to have all guys in your starting five producing for you. Now, are all five of them going to get double-digit scorings every night? No. Is David, should David Gasson, should you be penciling in 10 points a game from him? No. But he is good enough on offense at the rim. Again, I think he leads the team in field goal percentage. But again, he's taking high percent shots. And there are a couple of those he really should have made. There, there, there are a couple that he probably feels that he left points on the court. But when you're grabbing 14 rebounds, when you're giving your offense second bites of the apple, grabbing five offensive rebounds, when you're able to play good defense, when you're able to help out and be able to step out and switch, because here's the thing. If you're going to play Will McNair and David Gasson at the same time, David's going to have to be switching on the point guards. He's going to have to be playing far more perimeter defense on true guards than he probably would like to be doing. Um, but if he's able to be a plus defender and if he's able to be a plus plus rebounder like he's been lately, um, the points are the bonus. But again, if he's going to go 75% from the free throw line, all it takes is hitting a couple more shots right at the rim and he has a 10-point game. I, w- I was super encouraged uh, and super happy with the game that Mr. Gasson, the flying Dunch- Dutchman, the Duncan Dutchman, whatever you want to go, the man from the Netherlands, I thought he had a great game. Now, uh, moving forward, starting to look forward, you know, I just went through the starting five. It's been the same starting five basically for the entire season. This is where I get worried, and this is where I think there is a cap. This is where. Uh, the ceiling or the the ceiling has a cap and the floor kind of drops out from underneath you, um, because I I can't truly depend on anything from the bench. Um, if an injury were to occur in in hell, look, I I don't think it's sustainable playing, you know, four of your five starters thirty five minutes. Um, so not getting anything from your bench, game in game out, really worries me you know day day plays a lot but i mean he's hit a wall he i mean he can't score the ball to save his life anymore um and he's just okay on defense and he's good for a couple turnovers a game a couple assists a game um he's hit a bit of a wall um at this point in the season uh rj jones seems to be deep in the doghouse Jarrell colbert uh, i'm almost ready to kind of write him off Taj Manning had had a good 12 minutes versus Chicago State, but again, I think he is who he is. He he can be an energy effort guy off the bench, but I don't think he's ever going to do much for you. Buddy Rich walking highlight. Holy crap. That alley-oop that he threw down again. Uh, Buddy Rich for minutes played versus uh per highlight in, in the hype videos. Buddy Rich has to be like an all-time great when it comes to that. Um, cause man, what another amazing dunk. He just took that away from the defender and threw it down. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, 
and you guys kind of know my thoughts on Dorian Finisher. I don't think Dorian can be depended on uh, for much outside of just, hey, filler minutes. But you do need to give credit to Dorian. Six points, four rebounds, two assists in 18 minutes. And that's encouraging. And again, you know, I'm not going overboard with the Taj Manning game for Chicago State, but hey, whatever, it happened. Um, You're going to need Dorian, or you're going to need Day-Day to step up and really be that guy um, because I, I don't think there's really any plausible uh, chance for Buddy Rich uh, who or you know I or Taj Manning or RJ or Jarrell Colbert. I, I don't think any of them are trusted enough to play consistent enough minutes to ever think, hey, they can give you um, something tangible, you know, in the box score off the bench. Otherwise, uh, I, I really do kind of see Day Day and. Uh, Dorian Finister is just filler minutes off the bench. And that's where things are hurt the most with no Quez Glover and with no Naquan Tomlin is the lack of depth. Because if those guys were here, I mean, you're probably having Quez Glover coming off the bench, taking a lot of day-days minutes. I think you probably have Naquan Tomlin in the starting lineup, and then you have Will McNair coming in off the bench, or maybe even David Gasson coming in off the bench. Um, you know, I... I I just, it's frustrating, um, but th- but this is this is just how it goes. This is modern college basketball where you miss a couple guys in the portal, an injury happens, and then you have true freshmen who are good, not great. Again, I, I, I still think that all three of Buddy Rich, Day-Day Ames, and RJ uh, could be future All-Big 12 type guys. I think they have that talent. They have that pedigree. They're going to have to develop. They're going to have to stick around. Um, I'm not rooting for any of those guys going in the portal, but who knows what's going to happen. But if they stick around, I, I, I think things can get better. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, because even even bl- blowing out UCF, we had it in our hands. Um, they still only played, you know, RJ, Drell Colbert, Buddy, um, and then Tamont Lindsay coming off the bench, the walk-on from Manhattan Christian. They only played those guys like 90 seconds, you know, two minutes, 90 seconds, whatever it ended up being. Um, that's not, I mean, you're, you're not going to develop the depth uh, that way. Uh, so I think we kind of have our seven-man rotation. Um, and I, I think it just kind of is what it is. And, and, and look, no team is going nine, ten deep every single game. The rotation was always going to be the rotation. You'd like to have an eight-man rotation, and could Buddy Rich be that guy where he 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 shows enough? Um, the game he catches up to the game a little bit more, where he can give you eight to twelve minutes a game. I hope so, uh, because his level of athleticism makes it so any any missed shot off the rim, any even slight you know daydreaming by the defense. Buddy Rich is dunking it on your head. He can go up and grab alley-oops. Again, we haven't seen this level of athleticism. I mean, maybe Xavier Sneed had this level of athleticism. Um, so I, I I would love it if he could be that guy and give you those minutes because I don't think it's sustainable. I think, I think the entire team is going to run into a wall if you're going to have, you know, you know, Will McNair up over 20 minutes and then everyone else, you know, up over 30, over 33 minutes. Um, even in a blowout, that was a little surprising for me. Um, so I, I guess really the last thing I'm, I'm hoping to see 
Um, hopefully it is an easy game versus West Virginia. Hopefully it's a big win. I'd like to see more minutes going to those bench players to see if someone can start to develop into giving you another you know, 8 to 12 minutes a game to help spread out that burden of playing a physical 40-minute game in the Big 12. All in all, though, folks, it, you know, Jerome Tang is the head coach, and, and he has found a way um, almost – you know, every time folks have doubted him. So um, you're able to build momentum. You're going to West Virginia. If you get that game and then you have a head-to-head matchup with someone else from the Scott Drew tree and Grant McCaslin down in Lubbock, again, they got a win over Texas. So I'm betting the United Supermarket Center or whatever they call it down there. I'd imagine it's going to be a hostile crowd um, next Saturday uh, at Lubbock. But again, if you beat West Virginia, if you go toe-to-toe, if there's a chance you can take down Texas Tech, all of a sudden, that Tuesday game with Baylor, a top-20 Baylor coming to that town, again, it's going to be another electric environment that, that you know, that's what, you, that's what you're a Big 12 fan for. Um, I'm not going to get ahead of the skis, though. West Virginia, I mean, look, they have a losing record. They got destroyed by Houston on the road. Um, you know, K-State alum and Osborne, Kansas native, uh, Coach I, or uh, I, Ibert, I believe it is. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Eilert. Eilert. Um, he's at West Virginia. Look, I, I think that's a lost season. Uh, you got to keep losing teams losing, though. Um, and, again, it's a long trip out to West Virginia, so anything can happen. Um, but you win that. You get that momentum rolling into Lubbock. Anything can happen, folks. And, again, that that's the fun part about basketball. Uh, it's really It really sucks. Uh, when you're when, when you're not playing well and you're dreading that next game, you're worried about that next game. But when you when you're winning, um, man, it, it's a lot of fun. All right, we're we're gonna touch on K State football a little bit before we end with K State women's basketball. But before we do, uh, how about our friends at Charlie Hustle? Look, I I'm not gonna tell you the exact time it's gonna drop, but I would just say be diligent. Just be diligent. Keep your eyes on social media. Keep your eyes on CharlieHustle.com. Because there is some absolute bangers coming out here soon. Um, their new K-State basketball collection. Um, Coach Tang teased it a little bit with his hoodie on Christmas Eve. They sent out a little teaser picture for folks to to take a look at out on Twitter. Um, be following Charlie Hustle. Be following Bosco's Boys. Be checking CharlieHustle.com because it is coming and it looks great. Vintage made fresh. Hustle hard, hustle often. Charlie Hustle. I love it. All right, uh, football, we got the official news of Connor Riley getting the offensive coordinator job. Matt Wells joining the staff with a bunch of titles, including associate head coach, quarterback coach, and co-offensive coordinator. Both Connor Riley and Matt Wells were uh, shown on the big screen, introduced to the crowd, uh, had a nice little crowd pop. Um, look, I'm excited for it. I, I, I think that Connor Riley called a good game in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I think he's an incredibly intelligent man, and he's only going to take exponential steps when it comes to play calls You know, through his first year. Now, I think we have a good team, and if you start looking at some of those uh, way-too-early top 25s that are starting to come out, uh, you have Arizona coming to town. You have KU coming to town. You have Oklahoma State coming to town. All three of those teams listed uh, in some of these two early top 25s. 
You're going to West Virginia, which I saw in a too early top 25. Uh, look, I, I I don't know what the preseason poll is going to look like. I don't know what it's going what you know any of it's going to look like. But Connor Riley is going to have a rough you know slate in front of him. You try to compare the K State schedule to what you know our, our old friend Will Howard, who's who's going to be at Ohio State. You start looking at the Ohio State schedule, comparing it to the K State schedule. Look, I would much rather I would. 10 out of 10, rather play the Ohio State schedule. Uh, I, I think that is a much easier schedule. Uh, so it, it's gonna, it's go, it's going to be a rocky road. And and again, you, you, it's not like Tulane is going to be a pushover. Now it's going to be easier without Willie Fritz and uh, without their great quarterback. Um, but you have Arizona week three, Tulane week two. FCS team week one. So Connor Riley is going to have to hit the ground running. And, and he did say on the game with Mitch Fortner, shout out to Mitch Fortner, um, that he's going to be the one calling the plays. Um, that doesn't concern me. I thought it was fine. Again, I, I, I like that Matt Wells is coming in. So he's going to hopefully add some stuff to the passing game. And we're going to talk more about this on Wednesday. Again, I think I said it at the top of the show, but I can't quite remember uh, we have today's show on Monday, Wednesday. I'm going to be talking with Jimmy Goheen, talking about the offensive coordinator news um, and all that type of stuff. Uh, Connor Riley getting the promotion, adding Matt Wells, and kind of getting his thoughts because he's the biggest football big brain in the world. So he's going to tell me how to feel, and I'm going to feel exactly that way. Um, so I, 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 I'm excited for it. We're going to hear more. Um, but yeah, that, that that's gonna be on Wednesday. Sorry, and then Friday I'll, I'll talk about the uh, K State uh, men's game versus West Virginia, women versus Oklahoma. Be looking forward to the weekend. Um, but I thought I thought I, I legitimately think this is a good hire. Matt Wells has a history of getting the most out of quarterbacks. If you look at any quarterback he's coached, either as a quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, they every single quarterback has had their brightest moments, their best seasons, their best. Uh, run of games with Matt Wells versus without Matt Wells. So I think he's going to get the most out of Avery Johnson. Again, he's been in the Big 12. He's been around the Big 12 for the last five, six years. Um, you know, first as the offensive coordinator with Texas Tech and then as offensive analyst at Oklahoma. So he is used to breaking down film. He's used to game planning for these Big 12 teams. Um, so that's a plus. And again, he, he's someone who Chris Kleiman trusts. Um, I, I know there is a little bit of worry. I heard, I saw some folks kind of being like, how is this any different than Bill Snyder hiring all his friends, blah, blah, blah. Well, there, there is a little bit of a difference. When Bill Snyder was doing it, it was a bunch of old, decrepit men who quite honestly probably didn't deserve the jobs that they had. They all were getting, you know, one or two titles higher than they probably deserved to have. Um, Matt Wells, was, I mean, hell, Matt Wells was on the, shortlist you know some of those early hot boards when gene taylor was getting ready to make our football hire i i think he's a good football coach and quite frankly i think i think anyone who's trying to point to his time at texas tech um you know i i, I think texas tech their fans they, they were not going to accept anyone who wasn't from texas when they fired the guy when he was five and three he was five and three and they fired him it it we don't need to talk about. It. I think Matt Wells is a good coach. I think this is you know a hard hit double. Um, I don't know if it's a home run, 
Um, but you guys know my track record when it comes to uh, coaching hires and who I think they should get uh, and, and all that stuff. So um, I, I think I think it's it's a great hire. And, and Connor Riley, again, when he was on with Mitch Fortner, so shout out to him. Everyone go to the game, uh, 1350 the game on, well, I mean, hell, wherever you get your podcast and go and listen to Friday Hour 1 where they talked with Connor Riley. also sounds like he's going to keep – uh, kind of the tradition, the the setup that Colin Klein had where it was everyone. It was a collaboration process, putting together the weekly play sheets, the game planning and all that type of stuff. And he's going to, you know, shout out, hey, Coach Middle and what play you want right here? Hey, Coach uh, Anderson. Hey, Coach Wells, what play do you want right here? Hey, Coach LePac, what play do you want right here? It sounded like that's something that Colin Klein was doing here at K-State. It sounds like that's something Connor Riley is going to continue as well. So I, I think it worked out well. Obviously, it's not a best case scenario. Best case scenario would have been Colin Klein staying, um, but but I think there are very few outcomes, very few paths that could have ended up uh, feeling this good. Now there's spots still to fill. Um, I think specifically, I think the biggest ones are wide receiver and nose tackle. Um, I I think so much of it's behind paywalls. I'm not going to you know. Uh, say too much on here because I haven't been able to independently um, confirm it. So I'm not going to take stuff that's only behind paywalls that I haven't had a source tell me. Um, but you have pretty high-profile wide receiver visit this past weekend as you guys are listening to it. Um, maybe another one the following weekend. So they're really, really trying to wrap up a couple new weapons, uh, some pretty high-pedigree weapons as well for Avery Johnson's upcoming season. So I think it's going to be a real fun time on offense. We'll see what happens on defense. Uh, And like I said, we'll talk more offense on Wednesday with Jimmy. And as we wrap things up, the highest-ranked K-State team, the K-State women's basketball team, another absolutely dominant game versus UCF. Now, uh, what, it it was 72-56 K-State. So technically, hey, the, the, the the men got a... Uh, you know, a bigger win over UCF than the women did. Um, shout out to my friend Mark uh, in the DMs. He was the one who said this. I'm just taking it from him. I didn't have it on my bingo card. If you would have told me um, both teams were going to win, who was going to have the higher margin, I would have said the women without hesitation. Um, but they had a had a big game. Again, they, they seem to usually start a little slow. The first quarter's a little rough. But then from, then from there on, you know, they're up by 18 points, 20 points at halftime. Uh, and, and they're on cruise control. Um, it really, honestly, is their defense that is leading, leading this. You know, uh, everyone who is chronically online uh, knows about the gap goat at this point, and that's uh, three straight stops. So you're holding uh, your opponent to three straight possessions without scoring. Um, and if you get seven of those in a game, like you win ninety some percent of it. Go back and listen to my conversation with Jeff Mitty. He he breaks it down for us. Then they have like you know it started with the turnover chain and everything got obnoxious. But they have a goat that they swagged out that Gabby Gregory put together, and now she has an Amazon storefront where people can get their own uh, Gap goats, uh, stuffed animals, and accessories. But uh, the defense ha- has been. Non-stop. They've only given up, given up two games all season, uh, allowing the opponent to score more than 60. It was the rematch with Iowa, and then Western Kentucky scored 61. Um, so the, the defense is insanely good. 
Uh, when you have Aoka Lee protecting the lane, you have you know the Glenn twins who are maniacs, uh, specifically Briley Glenn, uh, just absolute defense. Like she she's led she led the Big Twelve uh, in steals last year by like twenty. It was it was something absurd. It might not have been twenty, but she led the Big Twelve in steals. Um, one of the best perimeter defenders, Serena Sundell. You have like a six four point guard. You have Gabby Gregory, who's athletic, who who truly can guard. Uh, you know, some teams one through five, um, all teams at least one through four, um, and, and it, it truly is uh, just a tough team to score against. And then you have a bunch of athletes who are coming off the bench fr- bench fresh every single game. So again, the scoring always gets um, the highlights. But what this team has been able to do on defense, I mean, it is just junkyard dogs. Like they are, they are just fiends on the defensive end. Um, when you look at scoring, too, they can do it so many different ways. So in this game, Serena Sundell had 20. Jalen Glenn um, went 7-for-7 seven seven from the field. Um, Aoka Lee only had, like, 12. But if you if you look at it, the opener in the Big 12 play, Gabby Gregory led the team in scoring versus Houston. Aoka Lee put a clinic on. Um, no, it was Cincinnati, excuse me, on the road at Cincinnati. Aoka Lee put on a clinic versus Houston, and then Serena Sundell had 20 versus UCF. So in the three Big 12 games, you've had three different leading scorers. In the three conference plays, you've already had Aoka Lee, Serena Sundell, Gabby Gregory, Jalen Glenn, who went 7-for-7 seven seven from the field uh, on Saturday, like I just said, and Zeanna Walker, uh, all in games in double figures. And then you have Taryn Sides uh, on the cusp of double figures, scoring eight points a couple times. So again, you have two players who are capable of getting the double digits um, on your bench. You have four in your starting lineup. You have three who have led the team in scoring in the any given game in the first three games in Big 12 play. This team, I, I'm not going to say unstoppable. I don't want to put unrealistic expectations on this team. Uh, but they can win the Big 12. They can be hosting uh, NCAA tournament games. They, they can be getting to the second weekend. And from there, it's all about matchups, what can happen. This team is legitimately elite. Um, their, their next two games are on ESPNU, um, 6 p.m. Wednesday, Oklahoma, 1 p.m. Saturday versus Texas. I mean, this team is worth watching. This team is worth getting out to Bramlage if you're in the arena. I'm going to try to get out there on Saturday. Um, but they're truly bordering elite. They're in a four-team tie, uh, Oklahoma being one of those teams for first place. Um, they're on the razor's edge of getting in the top 10, so it might be a top 10 matchup with Texas. Um, this team can score a million different ways. They can stop you from scoring a million different ways. Um, this team that Jeff Mitty has assembled, I mean, folks, if you're not watching, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out on some very entertaining basketball. So stay tuned. Um, part of the reason why I want to uh, – you know, publish my conversation with Jimmy that I'm going to be recording on Monday, uh, on Wednesday versus on Fridays. I, I want to be able to talk about the K State game versus Oklahoma, that women's game, because again, that that could be a massive game. We, we, I mean, they start a week early; they're already three games into the season. If you're able to start four and zero, if you're able to then you know get a, a game up on Oklahoma, who you're currently tied with. You're setting yourself up to, to really have a, a, a shot at bringing some more hardware and a new banner into Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, and it, it's absolutely big time. So 
Um, check them out. Uh, I know Aggieville Alley Cats are doing a great job talking about the team. Um, I think Tim Fitzgerald, I think it's his nephew, Ethan, writing about them on Go Paracat if you're over there. Um, a lot of great coverage on the women's team coming from the Manhattan Mercury as well. Um, so be, be sure, uh, the Jeff Mitty Show, uh, Brian Smoller hosting that. Uh, you can watch it live on Facebook or on the K-State Sports app. Um, so a, a, a lot of good folks covering K-State women's basketball. And uh, they're 100% worth uh, giving some emotional and time investment to. So that's all we have. Um, great Saturday. I'm, I'm hoping it's a big on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, maybe getting some big football recruiting news as well. So hoping for another big week. Um, but we'll, we'll be coming to you Wednesday. Like I said, we'll be talking about uh, offensive coordinator promotion for Connor Riley, the hiring of Matt Wells with Jimmy Goheen. Then Friday, I'll, I'll be kind of giving, not kind of, I will be giving a review of everything uh, that happened um, for midweek games, uh, getting an eye on the games happening on Saturday. Uh, any other football news that pops up? Oh, I, I also didn't even mention K-State baseball. Uh, Tyson Neighbors, preseason first team All-American, uh, popping up in some preseason All-Big 12 team or uh, not All-Big 12, preseason top 25 teams. So, again, it looks like it's going to be a fun spring at Toynton Family Stadium uh, if you want to follow the Batcats as well. So, it truly is a great day to be a Wildcat. It's a great Saturday to be a Wildcat, a bad day to be a Golden Knight. Um, But that's all we have, folks. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, my name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be With Kansas State Come on, set your spirit free Kansas State Our pride is with the cats Kansas State Come on, join the cat attack Kansas State Excitement's in the air Kansas State The fun is being there Having a good time there Purple and white we share Podcast Network.